Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Off the Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, Stu Wiffin. I hope you're all doing well. Another day, another episode, and this is a good one. So it's Mr. Colin Murray, him of Radio One, Talk Sport, Match of the Day, Blood on the Tracks, at home with so much great stuff. I had Colin guest on the other podcast I do, Hardcore Listing, and he was so much fun. And whilst we was chatting after that, he we we really got into talking about music, and then he come and DJed for Scrub and I um, at our club night, and we drank a lot of whiskey, and we just enthused about lots of the same bands. So we 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 had quite a lot in common with our musical tastes. And so when I started doing off the beaten track, it was an absolute cert that I was going to hit up Colin and see if he'd come and do it, and. He was kind enough to do so, and we met at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, and what an absolute gent he was again. Um, Super fun, super interesting, great tasting music, amazing stories to back up all of his song choices, and I know you're going to love it. So before we get on to the podcast, just a few shout-outs. A big shout-out to everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, the owner himself, Mr. Scroobius Pip, um, thanks to everybody at Pod Bible Magazine. Thanks to my namey's ad for the artwork. Big love to the producer 76 for making this sound ace. And I think that's it. We can get on with a podcast. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with Mr. Colin Murray. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. 
I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we're recording. We are at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen on a quite a bright December morning. Possibly the earliest I've ever done a podcast. Um, so let's cut straight to who's sitting up beside me today. Uh, it's Mr. Colin Murray. Hello, how are you? I'm good. It is early. It was even earlier for me because I yeah. thought it was half nine, not <laughs> half ten. Yeah. So like an arsehole. <laughs> but you confused me because I was sitting here and I see you pacing up and down outside and I thought, have I got it wrong? He's outside, it's ten o'clock. Uh, uh, Punctuality is big in my world, you know. And it is for me too. I, I, people who are later, people I inherently distrust. Right. Um, because I think it's a very selfish thing. And they'll say, I'm sorry I'm late, but they'll be late the next time. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're rarely is somebody late once. They're recurring late arrivals. They'll do yeah. it week after week. And they'll say, I'm sorry I'm late. The train was 15 minutes delayed. Yeah. Well, I leave to allow that delay. Right. right? It's not an excuse. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So where do you stand with people being... <laughs> podcast, but where do you stand with people being too early? Because as long I, as they don't lord it over you, you know, when you arrive, well, I've yeah. been, you know, like I just did to you, funny enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was more me reading the yeah. time wrong. No, I think that's fine. Yeah. I mean, a bit, being early is being on time. Yeah. Being on time is taking a risk. Our mutual being friend is inexcusable. Scroobius Pip will turn up generally half an hour earlier for everything. If he's yeah. picking me up, I just think, right, get ready half hour early because he will be outside. But he's always had that work ethic to match the talent. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not one for languishing about. He's, no. you know, he's always up to something. He's always doing something. Yeah. I've actually been up from six because I'm trying to get my newspaper column finished. So I finished at 12 last night uh, doing the, the League Cup highlights. Um, do you want to talk about Burton Albion? Watch a story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no is the answer. No call. It's not a fucking football podcast. Um, and then, yeah, and then up this morning. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, the so reason... Record. The reason I wanted to get you on, mate, was when you done hardcore listing, you said something on there which was, you know, I chose to do this top five because I'd quite happily sit here and, and bang on about Nick Cave and the Flaming Lips yeah. all night. And I just thought, I'd quite like to talk to Colin Murray about <laughs> Nick Cave and the Flaming Lips. And then you come and DJ for us at the book club. And I think we, we pretty much drank a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, and then, we did. Scroobius Pip didn't. I mean, yeah. He, he would all, he, we call it crocodiling. I don't know why. Right, you okay. You pretend you're drinking as much as your mates. Right. But you're not. Yeah. And there was serious signs of crocodiling from the Pip. That's exactly his right. style. I also did that thing like, don't let me smoke. 
Yeah. Don't let me smoke. I've yeah. given up. And then you led me down that path. Yeah. Um, took me outside, said, right. just have one. Yeah. You were yeah. morally bankrupt that night. Yeah. You're, you're making me sound like the gripper to your Zamo. <laughs> I weren't like, I weren't pushing it on you, mate. <laughs> At least one of them probably work in this area. <laughs> More than likely. I remember getting the green chill. People back together on my Radio 1 show. Trying to get them back together. One worked in a key cutting shop. That's Zamo. And that's Zamo. Yeah. yeah, they're always, uh, yeah, they're quite easy to find. <laughs> Funny enough, there's no Nick Cave or Flaming Lips in any of my choices. But no, there's I, not. I, I definitely can work those in as yeah. second choices. Okay. <laughs> well, you can have some honourable mentions as we work our way through this, mate. So, track one, Colin, the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. You know what? There's so many. And what I decided to do was go with the first song I thought of. Because I then went on from them, and I thought, like, Thunderstruck by ACDC. There's nothing like the start of that song for yep. just every hair in the back of your neck standing up. Yeah. There's one dart player comes on to it, and I'm like, what a choice yeah. of an intro song that is. A friend of mine, Simon Cross, who produces Fight and Talk and Blood in the Tracks, he used that as his music for Five Live Formula One. That was his mm -hmm. choice. And every show I do... Um, which isn't too many, but if you listen to At Home, you listen to my talk sports show, you listen to Blunder the Tracks, they all have ACDC songs as their, okay. as their theme tune, as their intro, because all their intros are amazing. Yeah. So I nearly went with that. You say Flame and Lips, mm -hmm. nothing like starting an album with a one, two, three, four count of race for the prize. Yep. But I went with something that is so simple, but so fucking powerful. And I went with Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd, because it starts with that sample. Mm -hmm. which I believe is one of them recorded it directly off the radio randomly. I think there's a bit of Tchaikovsky's Fourth oh, really? Symphony in there and an announcer. So that's a very strange start. But then the one guitar, down, 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 one guitar. And I think maybe it's because you know what's coming. You know how powerful the lyrics are. It hits you between the face. And then the second guitar, down, 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 down. So it's two intros. Yeah. Three intros already you've yeah. had within 30 seconds. The three different the, intros. The third one, the volume goes up, right? Right, and, exactly. It's yeah. beautifully recorded. Yeah. And listen, I'm not going to get into that, but it's all stuff like he did this in the overdub and it was yeah. a 12-string guitar and it was blah, blah, yeah. blah. And that's how he made that sound. It's like going to be that, a but, complex recording right. if it's Pink then, Floyd, right? Exactly. But then... The, you know, an intro was also the first line of a song, and so, so you think you can tell heaven from hell, blue yeah. skies from pain. You're a wreck already. Like it's a yeah. juggernaut of a song, yeah. and it's just a sample, a couple of guitars, yeah. and a beautiful lyric. Yeah. And unlike a lot of songs like Thunderstruck by ACDC, it doesn't maintain its power to the end. Yeah. Whereas this song gets stronger and stronger, and it gets to when once it gets to chorus, you know how I wish you were, and th and then it leads to. We're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. Yeah. Now, there's hardly been a greater lyric ever written. Yeah, so that's, that's the I one, isn't it? you work back, once you've heard that once, and it's put you in the floor. Yeah. And I think it does. The first time you hear it, it puts you in the floor. You go back to the start again, yeah. and you realize what's coming. Yeah. And you realize where these two guitars in this little sample yeah. are going to take you to an emotional yeah. wreck of a place. And I'm not a Pink Floyd fanatic. I'm not a Pink oh, Floyd aficionado. But we all have friends who are... Yeah. And boy, do we hate them. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what Pink Floyd fans are like, you know? Yeah. It's all, yeah, but that's actually was, was meant of to course. be on uh, the wall, uh, but it was dropped yeah. after an argument between yeah. Dave Gilmore. And, uh, but it's personally my favourite song. Yeah. It's like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I, I've had a few mates like that. Love them dearly, but they are, uh, they, you, you, you learn everything about yeah. them. And I've never been that type yeah. of fan of any band, really. But that's the Pink Floyd fan. Uh, I'm not that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Um, any other considerations before we get to track two? Um, I think you could. I think about. There's a million. I think really. Yeah. There was so many left field ones I thought of that I was going to do, and then I thought, stop being obtuse, just go yep. for a track you genuinely love. Yeah. Um, loads of beats. Okay. Loads of hip hop songs. Right. Pick um, one. Pick one. Let's do hip hop. You're now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Right now, they only have to hear that line. I'm like, yes, yeah. So that and is that's because you know what's coming. You yes, know, them you big know horns coming, are coming yes. when that yeah. beat drops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that would definitely be right up there. I even thought of throwing in something really bizarre. There's an EMF song that starts with, uh, "Yo, Derry, what's the time? What's the fucking time? I'm yeah. gonna turn this fucking place up." Oh my god, what about the only living boy in New Cross? Oh. For like a very different style. So yeah. There's two intros to that as well, isn't there? So that's hello, hello good, good evening, evening, welcome. welcome. Yeah. But then when the <laughs> first thing, <laughs> ding, 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 <laughs> and then when the the ba 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 ba, oh. ba like the big, yeah, Stunning. that's a great Stunning. show. Um, and massively. Overlooked, Carter. And, yeah. and do you know what? I was, I was speaking to someone on doing this recording the other day, and I really thought that that scene in general, we called it the Grebo scene, yeah. like, um, which I'm, I'm talking about EMF, Populate Yourself, Stuffies. And, like, and the Wonder Stuff and Carter, yeah. I think, are so overlooked when people talk about really smart songwriters, yep. incredible lyrics. Like, if you want to choose one album... If you call that that scene, Schubert Up by EMF, to yep. this day, yep. I can still listen to from start to finish. Really? Yeah. The Saren is children, I know. Yeah. And some of it it's dates a little that... bit, right? But they were a proper fucking band. Yeah. I saw them at the... We can swear in this, can't we? Yeah, of course. Right. Um, I saw them at the Ulster Hall. Okay. So my first ever gigs I went to that were just me and my sister and like yeah. no family. Having family there, it was like Duran Duran, right? My was was a was one week two gigs in the Ulster Hall, and it was EMF and then Spiral Carpets two right. separate nights. Spiral Carpets had a projector, yeah, and for every song they would put a project like the, you know the overhead projectors yeah, at yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, would amazing! Put something put on the it lovely. for the backdrop, <laughs> right? Clint Boone would be like, "Have a look at that." Our top no, the lead singer was Tom Hingley. Hingley, that's it. But EMF that week, the boxing glove on the bass, yeah. they were a proper band. Like yeah. they came out, they smashed it. I don't think, I, obviously, with it being like your first gig, your first gigs on your own, you don't yeah. kind of rate them. But yeah. I still look back so funny. But that whole album and the bit that dates a wee bit is E, Ecstasy, yeah. eh, motherfucker, bugger, motherfucker, bugger. Yeah. Eh, from Mustard. And I loved them. And I loved I Believe. And I'll tell you a fact about Unbelievable. Okay. The whole way through that song, it says, what the fuck? Yeah. Really? It's the only song I know that's been played on commercial radio that has fucked the whole way through it and has never ever been edited now I might be wrong and I think they tried to say it was funk but listen listen to it, Unbelievable the radio edit any version of it the whole way through it it goes what the fuck really yeah and then it goes what the fuck was that it's unbelievable well in three weeks I'm going to Yorkshire to sit down with James Atkins so I will Brilliant. ask him. I will get that. I will get the truth. I will find out. It's what, definitely what that's funk. It's about. not funk. It's not <laughs> yeah. what the funk. Like it's yeah. not. I love that. Anyway, that so that that album was amazing. There's so many intros you could put yeah. in, and they all emote different things. And another thing about them that is overlooked about that scene and the important things in in music is they went to number one in America. I didn't know that. Like, I, I mean, had that's no a idea. Big thing, right? They had. They 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 reached. 
yeah. other side of the pond, did they? Number one, unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, I bet you'd still play it in radio quite a bit over there. Mm. I do a lot of American road trips. I've never heard it. Yeah. Which is probably what, whereas like you hear True by Spandau Ballet yeah. every fucking day. And, yeah. and you hear Def Leppard on every station yeah. all the time. Let's make a fortune. Yeah. Tell you, on the subject of American bands, another intro they could have put in was Alive by Pearl Jam, the guitar yeah, to start. Nice. There, 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 yeah. there. So that fits an era and that fits yeah. a teenage period where that album was huge to us. It was like a bit of a Bible. And, um, and, and when you heard the start of that, you'd be like, it's just. And even flow. Don't that start with that. Yeah. They've got loads of good stuff. Rearview Mirror. That's my favourite Pearl Jam track. But. And that builds and builds and builds. But we, and I think I maybe mentioned this before, we in general, or the scene does, I don't think fans do, but I think the kind of coverage of our music scenes, they tend to neglect. Um, the aristocracy, they need to neglect bands that have history. Mm-hmm. You know, when they get the sixth, seventh album, mm-hmm. we tend to be a bit more like, well, prove yourself, do something different. When in America, they tend to be like, fuck yeah, it's the same yep. band again. And Pearl Jam have had some beautiful moments post Vitology. Yeah. And uh, one of them was, and I'm going to forget the name of the track now, uh, no, so I'm going to have to look it up. On their last album, uh, there's a beautiful, beautiful bit of music. Um, I think they're... Uh, You're going to probably get it before I do. I think they're an incredible band. And have you seen it. the um, 20, the, the film? No. Oh, Colin, mate, you need to watch See, it. I, that's always my thing. It's never... I wrote it, Just Breathe. Yeah, oh, it's from beautiful. From Backspacer in 2009. It's eight, eight, nine, eight years old now, nine years old now. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? But they still produce the odd beautiful track yeah. now. And Vitology reminds me of when I moved to Canada when I was 18. I think it came out that year, 95-ish. That, and that album as well, I think that's quite underrated. Well, that, that was the album that I nothing think... Nothing Man. Oh, Better Man. Better Man, Nothing Man. Like, yeah, Better Man or Nothing Man. <laughs> I'm a Better Man, man but, Yeah, great but, tune. Um, but that was the album that kind of... Because they become arguably one of the biggest bands in the world right at that point. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this wasn't a radio-friendly record, was it? Vitality yeah. was... was Obviously, they started to experiment a little bit more with, their, with you know, with the boundaries of what they were putting out. And it took me a while because when I obviously ten and, and verses were like, "This is amazing," and then I heard that and I was like, "Oh man, what's happened here?" Yeah. But a couple of listens and it, you know, and the penny drops you and met it works. Him? You ever met Madam Penny oh, God, no, of course not. Have you? No, I just love that story of um, I've got to get this the right way round. So Chris Cornell's recording. Soundgarden are already selling records and Pearl Jam aren't and Eddie Vedder's recording in the same studio. I'm going to say they're making 10, but I can't guarantee that because um, stories get lost in folklore mm-hmm. and they end up part true, at least part of this is true. And Chris Cornell is singing Hunger Strike and Eddie Vedder tells Chris Cornell, who at this stage is infinitely more successful and famous than he yep. is, you'll want to sing it like this. Yeah. The inference and the yeah. arrogance and the cockiness. Yeah. And from that, allegedly, the tribute album happened, the Temple of the Dog yep. happened. And um, what a track Hunger Strike is. It's, do you know I could have had that for the intro? Yeah. Have, oh, have you ever seen... I mean, you need to watch this Pearl Jam yeah. film, 20, because it's all explained, right. and it's Is amazing. that story in it? Uh, How close did I get it? It's not far from it. Right, okay. Like, what, but, the, what was wrong? But he was, what, what he, he was, was bullshit? He was super unknown at yeah. then, Eddie. Okay. And, like, and that was, was one that of the... Was that a fir- deliberate 
and that was Soundgarden reference. Yeah. Super unknown. Yeah. All oh, right. So that is fantastic. Like that. I thought you'd just the slickest <laughs> motherfuckers ever presented a podcast there. No, unfortunately not that bright. Um, but uh, yeah, where was I going with that? So you were super unknown at the time. Yeah, and uh, and they. I think that was one of the first vocals that the rest of the band just thought, "Fuck's sake, this yeah. Eddie Vedder kid's for real." Yeah. Like. But um, have I you ever that. heard, and it's on YouTube and it's Goosebumps, Ben, I can't think what his second name is, from Band of Horses performing that with Pearl Jam. Because no. Band of Horses put Pearl Jam. I on haven't. Them. I have a vague somewhere in my mind it's swimming about, <sighs> but no. Mate. And, like, and literally, he does the Cornell vocal mm. and nails it. Yeah. And, oh, it's We've got to be careful to not one-up each other on Pearl Jam, but have you? Because <laughs> people will just be like, delete. But... Um, have you heard the Victoria Williams tribute album where they do Crazy Mary? No. That's a stunning, stunning cover. That's well worth any Pearl Jam fans. It's maybe the one track that slips by because it was a okay. Victoria Williams tribute album. They do a version of Crazy Mary and his voice and that is unbelievable. It's just a bit of a, a, a few steps to the left for them and yeah. it's just, it's stunning. It's well, well, we put listening. a Spotify playlist out alongside this podcast. Oh, can you put so that version of... We'll, oh uh, God, we'll make brilliant. sure that we... Uh, this could be a long playlist, could not it? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, track two, Colin. Yes. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. I had huge issues with this because I couldn't remember one and that was the honest truth. I remember like... Um, I used to fancy a girl called Cheryl who lived across the road um, and I wasn't allowed to cross the road so I couldn't ask her out these are the problems I face a four year old Yeah. and I remember that <laughs> in the garden sunbathing and my mum started singing oh Cheryl I am but a fool <laughs> and me just going crazy like you know to stop it but you know to ch- <laughs> moments like that jumped to, to mind um, do you know what I loved I don't think I had an emotional impact but there, there was a thing I might have mentioned before but um Comes a Time by Neil Young was like easily the first album I fell in love with before yeah. I could speak and would sing parts of that song before I could form full sentences, part of um, Human Highway in particular. Yeah. I loved that track. So that must have had an emotional impact, certainly had a big change. But I, you know, like when my granddad died, um, I heard of I Told You Lately That I Loved You by Van Morrison. Now I can't listen to that That's track. Right. That was yeah. in my 20s. And I can't still to this day listen to that track. I think you spoke and about it on Blood on the Tracks. Someone picked it in Blood on the Tracks. That's right. And I was like, you took your headphones off, didn't like, you? Know, That's right. Maybe one day. It's not, it's not like a bottling things up and I'm totally mourn him. Yeah. But like it's, it's uh, it just, I can't listen to it. I heard yeah. it the minute he died and yeah. I can't listen to it ever again. So there's tracks off throughout. But I thought if you would permit me to do this, because this isn't Desert Island Disc. You can change your format. Of course you can, mate. I've, I want to go with the last. Okay. And... It was a, it's a track by The National, and mm-hmm. it's called Walk Off. And um, so when High Violet came out, by hook or by crook, I think the vinyl I bought had bonus tracks on it, or somehow I ended up with tracks that weren't on the original album. Yeah. And one of them's called Walk Off, and it is one of the most just... When I remember just hearing it and just it bringing tears to my eyes because it, it's, it's this kind of... I suppose it, I'm not very good at some things like this I'm articulating, but there's like the city life, you know, like the weight of it and the speed of it. And sometimes you just want to get the fuck out of it. And you need to, you know, for your own sanity is just breathe air and, you know, metaphorically and physically breathe air. And it's the most beautiful little track. It's only a couple of minutes long and it's about 
it, it start, I've got the lyrics here, it starts, every house in the street will get in their feet, carry the sleepers out uh, into the weather from the violet cities. Um, and it's this idea of everybody walking off into some form of metaphorical or indeed just actual mm -hmm. peace and quiet. I don't know, is it about sort of afterlife? Is it about exactly what I get mm -hmm. from it? Um, but this song, like, it gives me a lot of solace. The chorus is, uh, on and on, the lead is on. We'll all get high and walk off into the country, the ridiculous country, where the blue sky will smother us. And it's such a pure lyric. Yeah. And whether, whether you take it metaphorically or whether you take it as actually just getting that head space, it, it just blew me away when I heard it. Yeah. And it's, I know it seems strange to pick a track where now everyone has to go, oh, yeah. or most people, but it's, uh, it's just a, it's a summoning track. They'll open their doors and they'll sing to the sun. Yeah. So everybody getting away from the daily grind, everyone getting away from what holds us down, what pushes yeah. us down. You can take it so many different ways. But to me, it was just a song that I can listen to the song and it gives me a bit of release. It gives me a bit of perspective. Mm you know, what's important. So a strange, strange choice Okay. for number well, two. Normally when guests <clears throat> pick that, it's something when they were quite young, so which leads me to sort of start the sort of interview of the, the sort of life story, which generally brings back to sort of like how old was you when you heard this, but obviously mm. this was probably a year ago or so. Um, I'm trying to think when I've cried at gigs, um, there's certain songs that set me off, Yeah. like no matter what. Do you get upset hearing crowds singing? I think a crowd can sing a song that you hate and you will be emotionally affected so, by it. This, it's not about the song. Yeah. You go and see U2, who I don't like, yeah. and they have a couple of songs that I love, but yeah. I, in general, I'm not a U2 yeah. fan at all. But especially some of the, the, the slower, more ballady type songs that they've written, if you can call it All I that. Want Is You. You hear right. a crowd singing that. You hear, hear 80,000 people singing that back. Yeah. Breaks your heart. You yeah. hear a crowd sing a Coldplay song back yeah. at them. Um, it breaks your heart. Like yeah. it, you don't have to love the band. So I've I've got you to blame because um, I watched a documentary on the Proclaimers last Friday on BBC Three, <laughs> BBC Four, whatever it was, um, and it was a career-spanning documentary, and it mm. went into Sunshine and Leaf, and then it cut to Hibs fans, mate. Like obviously, right? when you mentioned that to me for the, the Hardcore Listening podcast, I went and watched it, and there's so many variants. Yeah. And it's, it just crushes you. I mean, that song's ridiculous anyway. Yeah. So beautiful. But then to hear 20,000, 30,000 people singing it, it's crushing. Do you know what? Credit to Pat Nevin for that. He, he, he's the, he is the gospel according to the Proclaimers. Like, he's constantly talking about how good a band they are. And that's what got me into them. But the weirdest thing has happened, right? When I started doing Blood on the Tracks, which I'm not purposely mentioning all the time, but my music podcast... I would say the thing that's come out of it most and I've had most tweets about is people discovering the proclaimers. Yeah. How bizarre is that? Yeah. You think it would be about, you know, oh, like the, the, how, uh, the majesty of Nina Simone, yeah. you know, because we must have played like yeah. eight, eight of her songs already in like 12 episodes yeah. that we put out. And there's certain artists that keep coming up, Fleetwood Mac, Bob yeah. Dylan, Nina Simone, etc. Yeah. But it's the proclaimers. Yeah. Everyone, like who, it's, it's in... So many episodes, yeah. and I get tweets daily from people going, "Oh my God, I yeah. never realised that they wrote tracks like Then I Met You' yeah. and, oh. and Sunshine and Leith." And um, it's weird. But and here's you... another example of someone who goes to Proclaimers, but oh, no. I think it might be one of the greatest examples of a song that you, a terrible cliche. If an alien landed nurse, what would you play them? What would you give them to eat? Yeah. That might be the one. That, yeah. What is the majesty of music? What can music do? Have a listen to this. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. And I love it. I love it because it's maybe they're 
maybe in, at least in some small pockets of the podcast world, people are moving away from thinking that they were the 500 miles band, which, yeah. by the way, is still great. Pace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Especially if you segue into Run Rig, Lock uh, Lomond. <laughs> Love that song. Did you know how they got signed and how, how, how it happened? No idea. The document is really good, actually. But um, Kevin Rowland, uh, Dexys, was kind of one of the first people that sort of heard them and yeah. was like, mate, they're singing in Scottish accents. Yeah. Like, and at that point, so much Scottish music was that kind of affected vocal that wasn't particular. I mean, they sound Scottish, right, the Proclaimers. Yeah. Like, and, and then from that, he put them in a studio where I believe it was Edwin Collins that produced it, the wow. demo. And then the demo found its way to the hands of Paul Heaton, who then went, you're coming on tour with the House Martins. And That's I just amazing. Thought, There's some pretty cool people wrapped around really that band amazing. from the early doors. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, um, I remember trying to get them on Meridia One Afternoon Show, and I, I think I offended them in some way. I didn't mean to. Yeah. You often do when you're in your 20s. Yeah. I think I, I, I can't remember what I said, but they didn't come on. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> they didn't come on. But hopefully I'm making amends for that. Now. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I Someone think told so. a story on, like, sorry, on Blum the Tracks. <laughs> and I, I wish I could say who it was, but I can't remember who told the story because I have the memory of a fish. Bear in mind, it might be, if it's it about was, the proclaimers, it might be Scroobius Pitt. No, it wasn't Scroob's story. It might have been, I can't remember. Someone told, oh, I do now know. I think it was Scott Mills or Annie Mac, I think, but I can't be sure, about a plugger, a radio plugger, whose first job was to look after the Proclaimers, but had a phobia of identical twins. <laughs> and her first job was off, really? sitting in between <laughs> Craig and Charlie Reid, shitting herself in the back of a taxi. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It'd be a bit like if you, it's like if you were a plugger and you hated climbs. Your first job was insane climb. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. There's always everyone has a proclaimer story. I watched the presenter Dougie Anderson cry his eyes out side of stage at Glastonbury, the sunshine and Leith, oh. which was brilliant. I, flame and lips get me like they get me a lot. Elbow get me because his voice is so heartbreaking when he yeah. sings certain songs. I miss your stupid face. That gets me every time he says that line. There's certain elbow songs I'm like, oh yeah. no. There's also a song by Tim Minchin, which fits in if this is going out for Christmas. Um, uh, called, what's the actual song called? White Wine in the Sun. Right. And he's one of those artists that from nowhere will write a song that, so that he yeah. writes a song about, despite being an atheist, he loves Christmas. Yeah. And it's purely about going home to see his family and missing them. And the chorus is like, oh. like I've watched him do that live at a comedy yeah. gig uh, at the O2. And there was just thousands of people in tears after laughing for an hour yeah. and a half. He finished with it. So many flaming lips get me live. Spoonful ways a ton by flaming lips well, break me enough. You want it waiting for Superman does it for me. And it, it's um and do you segued into uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow when I seen them live yeah, at the festival yeah, once. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I once saw them break down playing that song because they don't play the song because you know, it's got very big emotional attachment to Wayne and they don't play it live. And they had a good relationship with them and they tried to do it in session for me for Radio 1. They got about version of chorus in and no way one or two of them were like no one of them had a bit of a panic attack and that was it Fuck. we never did it and it was a is it not a moment i would have wanted to happen but it was a beautiful moment and then yeah. we just didn't run it and you know yeah. like it but uh yeah that's a stunning piece of music so before we jump on to track three mm -hmm. um when you was growing up, when you was when you was a, a lad, you said about your mum singing in the garden. Was there music on at home as well? Always. So, pile of records, more than TV. I think my love of sport was what 
brought the TV on a lot, like every Saturday. Like you'd watch, I can remember watching like Top of the Pops. I remember not being allowed to watch certain programs, you know, because we were a bit rude or whatever. Yeah. But cartoons in a Saturday morning, then grandstand, you know, world of sport, football highlights, match yeah. of the day, that, that would have been why the TV was on. But apart from that, was always music went on. Yeah. Music went on in the morning, music went on when we got home. Uh, if ever my mum could put a record on, she would. This is the woman that tried to run away as a teenager to Woodstock and got caught trying to board a plane, right? So, she, right. so their music music knowledge is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I remember getting a board game. Someone bought me a board game, a, a music board game or whatever, and I'd played it in London with friends, and they were like, we're not playing with you anymore because you are just beating us every time. And I was like, right, you, I tell you what, my mum would leave me like at a quarter of the way through the yeah. board. And my partner at the time was like, that's impossible. Like, and I went, right, I'll bring it back. And we played it with my mum. She went, bang, 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 bang. Because she knows everything from Ruben and the Jets, the yeah. blue. Yeah. She just consumes music off yeah. the radio all the time. I don't do that. Yeah. I get what I like and I have yeah. my phases. I listen yeah. to jazz for a while now. And I listen to gangster yeah. rap again. And yeah. But she's just consumes it all with no filter and no like, this isn't, I shouldn't be listening to this. She yeah. doesn't know how to do that, which is brilliant. But yeah, and then when she met my stepdad, he brought a whole different load of music in. So I think he brought in more like Bruce Springsteen and Elton John, mm -hmm. and, and whereas my mum probably was a bit more like Neil Young and Frank yeah. Zappa, and and then uh, you know, and then so we had all those together. So there they are. Solid I melting pot, though, isn't it? Jim Crochet, and I love Jim Crochet, by the way, um, and Supertramp, and jeez, uh, and the album covers. That's what I remember more yeah. than anything. Do you know Lindisfarne had an album with boobs. Oh, really? That was big. That was big for a kid. That was probably the first porn. However, it's not porn <laughs> at all. It was but at that Lindis, age, right? Lindisfarne yeah. had a set of boobs in the front, and that was big. And I remember he's sneaking out of the Lindisfarne <laughs> cover. It was like the case catalogue. Do you know what I mean? That was the only two. Before you know. internet, for you millennials listening there, yeah. you don't know how lucky or unlucky you've got it. <laughs> we, we had a Lindisfarne album. The K's catalogue. Yeah, that was it. That, that was, was it. it. Um, okay, so... This whiskey's amazing, by the It's way. all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's take the edge like, off the morning. Yeah. Um, track three, Conan. <laughs> yeah. The song that reminds you of your time at school. Right, I'll do a couple if I can. Primary school. It's good, because normally someone will pick secondary school, so I like the fact yeah. that you've, you've given us two here, so oh. you're doing primary and secondary. That's I good. I could do Black Lace. I, I, I bought it on 7-inch. The back of the cover had instructions how to do the song. Mm -hmm. So you did that, I could do, 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 push pineapple, shake a tree and all that yep. stuff. Still Number remembered one. it, well yeah. done. You still remember most of it. <laughs> um, they also had a great song called Superman, which may have been the B-side of this, this no, single. No, that was a standalone Is single, mate. Is standalone? Yeah. It had a decent B-side, I remember it had a decent B-side. Spray. Go for a what? <laughs> Ring the bell. Superman, they were dreadful. <laughs> They like they kind of made Box Fizz look like the Beatles. Yeah. They were that bad. Yeah. But it was huge when you were a kid. Yeah. And I bought that in seven inch when it came out, and no one else had it. So for that little moment, Sorry, it was mate, popular. Sorry, mate. That should be on their Wikipedia. They made Box Fizz look like the Beatles. <laughs> they did, though, right? And so they were so bad. But that one single was massive, yeah. big novelty hit, and kids loved it. Like they do, yeah. like the Wheels and the Boss. It was that type of thing. And I remember being able to, like, after school, open the window of my front room, and it was like Pied Piper. Kids yeah. would come into the garden, they'd all do the dance, and I'd never had that status. Yeah. Yeah. I was never the lowest rung at school. I was yeah. never the highest. I was the joker that avoid getting his head kicked in by trying yeah. to be funny. Yeah. And that song, just, for, just, just until somebody else bought it for yeah. three, four days, I never felt as powerful 
a primary school and they did then. And so was that your first the, DJ gig? That was my first. <laughs> it was. That's a brilliant point. It was absolutely my first DJ gig. It was playing Agadu out the window. One record, bang. But, you know, when you're good, you're good. Um, and then I picked a weird one for secondary school. I picked the Cure Lullaby. And this goes more back to when I was 11 and I was at a grammar school. And which I would soon be asked to leave, and then went to Donald High School. And it was over that period that I would have been down the park listening to whatever mixtapes mates had, randomly trying to go and see gigs. So whether it be A&F and Spiral Carpets, as I got, we'd be talking what more like when I was 77, I'd be more 13 then. So you're even going just before that, and I was forming a music taste. Dance music probably came as the first thing before grunge and before Manchester, because that would have been more like... I drank way too early. I would have been a 10 down the park. I did everything early. I, like, by 18 had done everything and, yeah. like, almost became an old man very quickly. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, what was my point? Yes. And so I, so I don't think at the age of 11 there was a huge amount outside of my mum's collection and dance music. I, I certainly hadn't got into a guitar scene. And you were defined by your school bag. And there was one kid at school. And everyone looked at him as a freak because he had the cure written in his school bag. But because he had the cure listening to that school bag, I listened to the cure. And I loved the cure. And I befriended this guy to a certain extent and tried to understand his music. Yeah. Um, so I picked Lullaby by the cure because that would be disintegration. Yeah. Um, and that, I've always thought he was probably the first cool kid I ever knew. Yeah. Called Connor. And um, he, yeah, he just had names in his school bag that I didn't know. And my, they weren't in my mum's collection. Yeah. And so that was that would be the secondary school band that's, I mean, that I picked. That's a, that's a heavy track for an 11-year-old lad to be know, listening to, I know, I know. He's it? right in that. He oh. had the hair. Yeah. But it was different then. I mean, you were your scene. Like, yeah. whether it was wearing a puffer jacket and a half coat. Uh, you know, whether you were wearing a shell suit, whether you, were, whether you had your hair flopped over and you only wore black and you hated the world. Yeah. And, you know, you look back at it, that was so corporate, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, it was, wasn't coming from a... It was, it was quite a corporate thing. And you, and but like, that's that. You were defined by that. And you, in classes, you were put into those sections. Maybe it's still like that. I don't see no, that. No, I don't when see that. I see that. kids walking down the street. To me, they all look the same. Maybe that's because I'm old. No. Or it, or it's just all homogenised. It's, it's, it is all homogenised. I think everybody's kind of got a, a top shop window. One outfit does all. Yeah. And Yeah, you're right. It's, and, it's um, the, yeah, the still... great moment when Noel Gallagher... Sorry to interrupt, but Noel Gallagher was doing an interview with someone who was wearing a Ramones T-shirt and he went, name me one Ramones track. Yeah. Right, you're right. There is a, there is a high street fashion in there. And I, I still... Run and DJ me, me indie club every Friday night. Yeah. And going back to the time that you're talking about when I would go in there, there would be stacks of people with quiffs and cardigans wanting to be Morrissey. There'd be stacks of Robert Smith wannabes. There'd yeah. be people with shorts and shaved bits of hair and dreadlocks wanting to be into Poppy's EMF and stuff like that. You know, and then there was, the, you know, you had your, your Manchester Eds and, and, and your Ravers. And there was so much different kind of little sort of scenes and... and Everybody wore their mm. scene, and it was you could mm. identify straight away. And as a DJ, that's Andy because when they're walking through, you know what they want to hear. But you know, looking last Friday at what walked through the door of my club, I couldn't really tell you who listened to what. Yeah. See, Belfast was a bit different, I think, because of the divides, and not just divides between nationalist and and uh, unionist, between loyalist and republican and Catholic and Protestant and whatever else. It, there was divides within your own group. So, like, in our, where I grew up, and I lived in, I lived in the, a council estate 
that was one of the biggest in Europe, but just up the road, there was one of there was another one that was another one of the biggest in Europe, and they were both from the same side of the community, but different affiliations to paramilitaries, different paramilitaries within that scene. So there was there was like a rivalry there as well. Yeah. So we. I think it was a bit different. We used to jump between the scenes because it was very. We didn't know what was cool and what wasn't. So I would definitely wear a shell suit, and then before long, I'd be wearing baggy jeans, and then before long, I'd be wearing an afnaf coat, and then yeah. I'd go back. To, you know, I'd go to an ice bowl rave, but yeah. then I would then completely listen. Which was sorry, it was a, it was a. <laughs> there was randomly an ice bowl between the two states. Right. Right. And they used to have ice bowl raves for under 18s. Whoever right. thought that was a good idea <laughs> to have a rave between two estates that fought every day. It was brilliant. On ice. Yeah. I say it fought every day. It was just us idiots. Yeah. Like, it was just the school kids and yeah. then but should we go up that member my mate got a bin thrown over his head? Like, you know, one of those tufty bins, you know, where they're, they're yellow bins with a rabbit coming out of, like, you know, in the middle of a fight. And getting home, you'd be dicing with your life. You'd be running as fast yeah. as you... You didn't need drugs to get home fast, yeah. like, uh, down East Link Road. It's great memories. But, yeah, we, I think we weren't ever... I, I have, an, I have an, um, in my mind, I think, to London and Manchester and Liverpool and Glasgow has been a lot more clued up and a lot more... Def defined in the scenes and certainly at school yeah you were divided by what you wore yeah. but we would definitely flit yeah like already in this I've talked about like you know underage raves pearl jam yeah. and spiral carpets and they were all scenes that were quite close together yeah. we, we kind of would go between them mm. it was a good time quickly. for music I think that it kind was. of like we didn't know though 88 to sort of 95 so many scenes yeah and it was it was exciting we, we didn't know? know that's the problem um I, I'm so glad that I got at least one original scene, which was Acid House and dance music. Yeah. And while I was never the biggest dance head, to live it for a long enough that it, it made my, it made my mum and my stepfather genuinely afraid that that's where the road that I was going down. That was my yeah. culture. That was the people I was hanging out with. Yeah. I'm glad I had that. Yeah. I don't know what's scaring parents now. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are more of a yeah. a demon yeah. for a kids. Health definitely than going down the park with your mates with mixtapes and getting battered. Yeah. Okay. Track four. The first record <laughs> you remember buying. Right. No, this is really really difficult to do. First records I owned was Madness and the Wombles, but I didn't buy those. Okay. But that was really young. I think my sister and I put our pocket money together to buy Bardo one step further, the Eurovision entry, mm -hmm. for those people that don't know it. One step further and I could, could have been, been there. there. I could, could have turned around, around and kissed you and you wouldn't have cared. <laughs> Bardo made Box Fizz look like the Rolling Stones. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty, I don't know I this. I knew there was going to be right? a Fizz Sorry. reference yeah. there, mate. <laughs> uh, I, 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 this, is, this is a Bill Mayer reference, but I, I, I don't know this, but I'm sure it's true that, Box, uh, that Bardo toured uh, with Black Lace. Uh, Amazing. Uh, it's got to have happened. Yeah. I don't know that, but I'm sure yeah. it's true. Um, they were like a poor man's dollar, weren't yeah, they? they? They, well, they were Eurovision, so yeah. I won't have a word said against them. They, they, the song was device Eurovision. It was pure Eurovision. My sister and I did the dance moves, and we loved the track so much. But we played it and played it and played it. Yeah. And it started with, you know, and the thing is, you always get up early at the weekends, and your ma was knackered, and she just wanted yeah. to sleep. Weekend after weekend, turn that fucking record down. <laughs> One step further and I could have been, Which it is a horrible song to hear over and yeah. over again. It's punishment. Yeah. One step further and I could have been there. Each weekend went by. One Sunday, 
turn that record down. And we kept playing it, kept playing it. My mum just walked into the bedroom, calmly took the record off the record player, smashed it no over way. her knee, and went back to bed. <laughs> like the Clint Eastwood of common decency. And she just smashed it over her knee. So I think that might have been, I don't know. I think, yeah. did that come before or after Black Lace? I think it came way before, I think. But I don't like to look it up, but I'd be wrong. But I, think I don't realize a lot in it. It's not, but, but you see, I don't remember going to a record store to buy Blacklist, but that's yeah. more my memory. I yeah. think it was probably Woolworths yeah. in our shopping centre because we moved, went, li- we lived in Dundonald, moved to Newton Ards where we like, bought a house, which was amazing. And then we moved back to Dundonald when yeah. my grandfather died. We lived on the road in between the two council estates. And I, but there was a place called Ards Shopping Centre in Woolworths. Yeah. It was probably, it wasn't a cool record store at all. Um, but I do know in a charity shop I bought and I treasured and I was young an Elvis six-part Reader's Digest box set. Okay. This is one thing I did search because I thought I don't want to romanticize what it wasn't. And I, I, I have, there are so many versions of it on eBay. I looked yesterday and on Amazon that you can buy for like 25 quid. I've never. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ever ordered something quicker in my life because I don't have this anymore. It's yeah. like as a kid, it just goes. You go through it, yeah. and you throw it away. My room was decorated and I got rid of it. Six albums that formed a big Elvis. You put them in the wall, and I used to be able to take the vinyl out of the sides. And it was everything. So you could go through um, the, the early era stuff, like, you know, Blue Moon of Kentucky and all those covers he did, and um, right through to the Fat Elvis. and. I think American Trilogy was the track in that that I probably listened to more than any other on it. I love American Trilogy, but I love Elvis full stop. Great. So you can choose whatever one of those. But so it's either Bardo one step further or it's that yeah. Elvis. But they, they were both very similar. That box set was way back in the seventies and I was yeah. very young when I got it. But I didn't buy it in a record store, but in a charity shop. An American trilogy is like that's a powerful record, yeah. isn't it? It's a big sounding record, yeah. but it's not it's not got lots sort of pop hooks that, you know, would attract... It's not a, a gospel you know, tune. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what it is. It's a, a straightforward gospel yeah. tune. And he is did that your so many. Um, do you know, it's so hard. Like, if you sit and critique and you judge 
it's very hard to judge the likes of Elvis Presley because there's so many Elvis Presleys, yeah. you know. So you might want to, you, you could go and that's all right, Mama. You could go right back to the start. And I think that's not a bad choice. Yeah. You could go for kind of like the defining rock and roll tunes he released. Yeah. Um, he's the greatest cover artist ever lived. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and at that but, point, uh, yeah, arguably like, one of the most beautiful men that ever lived as well. Oh, he was stunning, wasn't yeah. he? He was oh, just beautiful, a beautiful man. Coolest fucking dude. I don't ever. know who I would put. He may be the most attractive man's ever walked yeah. the earth. I went, I went to Graceland's, terrible place on the wrong side of the road, but once you're in it, they actually do a great job of giving you space just yeah. to walk around and have a look at it. And, um, and it's good, but then you go into the Garden of Remembrance and that's re- like he's buried with his mum and dad and you've got um, You'll Never Walk Alone's playing. This mm-hmm. version of You Never Walk Alone is the song that you hear when you go to Graceland when you look at Elvis's grave. It's very bizarre, but you get to go into where he dropped dead. Like you know, it's by this piano, by this racquetball court or whatever it is, the hardball. It looks like squash to me, but mm. they call it something else. And um, that he dropped dead in here, and then you just walk, and he's buried right there, and his horse and his ranches and all that. Um, but yeah, probably, I th- yeah, probably American Trilogy, not the coolest answer, but I probably have listened to that more than any other, which is the sign. <laughs> Sixty-eight comeback. If I can dream oh, when he finishes that. Absolutely off his tits, though. But. Yeah, I know, but when he just it's starts... In, like, in the black in the black leather, and you, you're looking at it and you're going, oh, my God. Like, But I, I doubt that that many people realised watching it. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's, we're different. We're more savvy to it now. We see it, we see it. Of course. We still didn't see things in the 80s yeah. that we see now, and I, I think that probably people didn't realise. Yeah. But that is magical. Yeah. And that, is, that is shows... What a, what a musician he was. What a vocalist he was as well. And he, and he did. He often played with some of the best yeah. in the business, you know, and yeah. they loved playing with him. There's a great Tom Jones story. Have I told you this before? No. He, I was interviewing Tom Jones, and I was really, yeah. You know when you have things in an interview, and you're like, that's where I want to get to, but there's no way I can start with that because you need to talk about yourself first. And there's loads of interesting things about Tom Jones, but I knew he was Elvis's best mate, yeah. and he didn't talk about it much. Yeah. And I was like, look, I don't want to push up this. Can you give me one Elvis story? Cause, and I talked to him about the box set and all that. And yeah. he was like, okay. And he said, he, uh, he told a story about how he thought he was going down really well one night. It was his best ever show at Vegas. And it was actually just Elvis had walked in the same. And the whole crowd turned. <laughs> so now you think about Tom Jones had, but Elvis could take all of Tom Jones' yeah. fans away. Um, and they, were, they became very good friends. Elvis would play, Tom would play, and then they'd go and spend evenings together in Elvis's suite. And he said the first, and, and, and Elvis would bring with them musicians, gospel choirs, they jam all night. Now, whether that's a sanitized version of what happened, yeah. but I've always had the impression it was still the music. Yeah. It was still the music after he came yeah. off stage. He could never stop wanting to play and yeah. jam and sing off stage and on. But the first time he went back this suite, Elvis was in, his, in, in a white jumpsuit with diamonds all over it. And he said to Tom Jones, I'm just going to slip into something more comfortable. And Tom Jones tells me a story. He went into the bathroom and came out two minutes later in another jumpsuit. Amazing. So he did, it wasn't like a shirt and jeans. It was just another full <laughs> stage ensemble that he stayed in for the rest of the night. And people forget, no one looked like Elvis. No one wore what Elvis wore. No. He, he had a completely unique look as well. Do you know what I mean? Well, and the key is nobody knew what he looked like when he started. And, that, and he, no matter, people can make fun of Elvis all they want, fat Elvis and the lower way and all that, and they'd say whatever they want. But Elvis... Elvis's voice was the reason why he became famous. Absolutely. Nothing to do with how he looked, nothing to do with how he gyrated yeah. that came after, yeah. nothing to do with anything other than how he sounded. Yeah. Nobody knew what he looked like. And if you're going to mock Fat Elvis, listen to Kentucky Rain because yes. the vocal on that <laughs> will break you. Okay. Um, 
Track five, Colin. Yeah. The song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Right, this is difficult. So you're still in I'm, Ireland? I'm a kid. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I'm in Belfast and I'm a kid. And it was such an exciting time. And But at the same time, everything was very aggressive. You know, where I, where I, not the over egg it, I was a, a part of a, a, I was, I was closed off from a lot of it. None of my family were involved, but you grow up in a civil war situation and there's an aggression to it. And there's, um, put it this way, at school, you don't turn around <coughs> to somebody where I grew up and said, I'm going to knock your head in because it would happen. Yeah. There was no fronting. You just did it or you didn't. Yeah. I got by a lot in humor and stuff, but you would always hang about in parks at the weekend in pitch blackness with cider, with beer with whatever else was going about. It's where you'd have your first smoke. It's where you'd experiment with everything. Down a park with basically a stereo. And if it would kick off, the stereo might get broke or might get thrown over it by me. I don't know. My ones get thrown over my back garden hedge in an illegal party. <laughs> my house was like 12. Uh, but yeah, and, and mixtapes were the things. That's yeah. what got passed about. So my first dance music was really young, and it was Acid House, so whether it would be... But you see, I don't know what any of it was, yeah. but I would hear it first on those tapes. I heard Prodigy first on tapes, not knowing it was Prodigy, and I love that. Yeah. What a level playing field that was, that you yeah. discover the track. Or the first time. You'll tell me what the tracks are, I don't know, but the first yeah. time you heard, I see... You'll be like, oh, this is amazing. And we loved it, and our parents didn't, and that yeah. was the key. So it's weird because the track I've picked, I think I'm maybe like 14, 15 when this came out, right? And it's Human Resource Dominator. I could have went for like Energy Flash, Flash Joey Bell, remember that yeah. really kind of aggressive yeah. dance music that just got into the charts? Yeah. But I heard all those in mixtapes. Now, listen, I'm pretty sure this is my weakest question when it comes to speaking with any authority mm -hmm. because I think in terms of speaking with knowledge about scenes, I, I could like sit here and talk about Britpop until the cows come I take you all the way to men's wearing the blue tones and Northern Uproar and I can talk about grunge until the cows yeah. come Dance music for me was just, I developed too quickly yeah. and I was quite a fucked up kid. So I drank way too early. I did everything way too early. I had sex way too early, I did all that. And that was soundtracked by these mixtapes. There's a guy called Die was his nickname, Darren. He, he just had so many. He was the guy who would always have the latest mixtape that we played down the park. It was a brilliant way to discover music. This and, and, even and, and playing field, right? That's the thing. Yeah. The, the fact that like you're going to listen to the whole thing. You're not cherry yeah. picking a track because you don't know what's on these mixtapes. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, perfect. So this song is terrible to See, a certain I, extent, but it's very aggressive. Well, well I know. And I think was, it sums it quite, up a, quite a popular sort of dance record because I, I look at the title. It was the us. Like we yeah. would go to the under eighteen nice bull raves and. Or you would sneak on a, a. There was a couple of clubs. Yeah. There was one in Bangor and there was one in Bambridge, and they were like, if you could sneak into those and get in underage, that was amazing. And they yeah. were quite hairy, and quite dangerous. There's one in Port Rush as well, which I never got to early doors because that seemed like the other side of the earth to me. Yeah, Port yeah, Rush yeah. from Belfast, but a lot of people would go on the coaches. I'd never quite yeah. get away with that, or certainly wouldn't be able to get home in time to get away with it. Yeah. You know. Um, but this one is like, I just remember it's I'm bigger and bolder and rougher and tougher. In other words, soccer, there is no other. And it's not a great time. But, the, but the, <laughs> I think the aggression of it sums up the type of dance yeah. music that was on those tapes. And, and I, it, I, I don't know when this was in the charts. Because it did, it charted. But it charted years after I heard it. From my memory, it did. I could be mixing this up with another track that yeah. I heard. I remember hearing the Moby stuff, the early Moby stuff. Yeah was all in those tapes as well. Yeah. We liked it not because We're it talking was about Go and stuff like that, yeah. Go, God moving over yeah. the face of the planet of yeah. the earth. Um, 
all that, the prodigy stuff, Charlie says, all mm. that, always on those tips. It yeah. wasn't from, yeah. it didn't come first on top of the pops. It didn't yeah. come first on the radio. It came first in the parks. Yeah. So, at that age... I'd love someone to message me about, like, who's listening to this. I'd love them to message me or, you know, drop me a tweet or whatever and then email about, yeah, this was my scene and, and this is actually the story behind those tapes and yeah. that track you did hear in 1988 or no, you didn't hear it when you were 11, yeah. you couldn't have, but I bet you it was this. Yeah. And Because I, I, I have such a blind spot to all yeah. of what I actually heard down that part. Yeah. I'd love someone to message me or say to me, I've got a mixtape from 1988, do you want me to yeah. copy it and say, can you still copy tapes? Can you still you get can. double cassettes? You must be able to. Right? Do you remember when they came out? It's the end of music. Oh, mate. Music is over. Yeah. You can copy a tape. Yep. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And then, like, we <laughs> used to squash the bits of tissue in the, the top of the tape. Used to put sellotape so. over them. All oh, right. Masking tape or sellotape, yeah. And then you could record over them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, my, my mate had, uh, I think it was, was it Thriller or Bad? When it first mm. came out, he got it before everyone else on cassette. And I was like, can I borrow it so I can tape it? And he was like, nah. And he wouldn't lend it to anyone. No. And, uh, and so we went around his house and I nicked it. And, uh, and I went home and I put the, the, the what do you call it, the, the, tissue. the, the, the tissue in the things. Uh, and then recorded Sister Sledge Frankie on repeat on oh, both sides oh, and yes. then gave it back. What a tune. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was so at that time. Yeah. And I it's an awful record. It's no, so no, it bad. Was, it was huge. People, that track was massive. huge. Yeah. Those, those defining tracks. Because someone told me recently that Slade and Wizard's Christmas songs were in the charts at the same Christmas. Right. That's unbelievable. That's I wish you could be Christmas, Christmas every there, day and here it is, Merry Christmas. Yeah. We're in the same chart. I think number two, number four, number one yeah. and number four. Someone was just telling me this yesterday. I was like... No fucking way were they released in the same year, those two gargantuan tracks. But That's that was bigger than Blur Oasis, know, right? Right, right. <laughs> they have a beef. Like, I'd love someone to fill all the gaps in because I get a lot better when I got on to when I worked in music or yeah. when I was 18 and writing about music and yeah. running the music magazine. Then I can define everything yeah. and I can put it into, okay, and this was, yeah. there was a drum and bass scene here and there was a house scene here and then yeah. the house scene, and then, yeah, drum and bass got like a Brazilian vocal and, you know, and I can do all that, but it doesn't, it's not where I first get into yeah, it. And I tell you what, it was not, no disco. Yeah. No disco. Yeah. It's a massive gap now that I, I'm starting to get it. Blood and the Tracks is helping. Boom, haven't mentioned it in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Blood and the Tracks is helping because we've got all these guests coming in, yeah. picking Earth, Wind and Fire and all these like disco tunes. I never, it was it just didn't, I don't know why, it wasn't I, in my parents' collection much and I never got it, never liked it. None of my dance floor, none of my getting in the dance floor was anything other than hardcore rave. See, I... That's it. That I, was the start. And then it went into a bit commercial. Yeah. So like I remember going to clubs when I was 16 and playing Zoe, Sunshine and a Rainy Day and bollocks like that. Do you remember mate, that? Mate, Sora. Get, get Sora the Harvey Wallbangers in. We used to have like, <laughs> was, was it Harvey Wallbangers? No. Slow, comfortable screws. Brilliant. We used to drink them in pint glasses. We do, we do other things and we get there and we just buy these pint glasses with like, I think it was vodka, gin, Southern Comfort and Pure yeah. Orange. Shit with these pints of slow cut sunshine on me. <laughs> I embarrassing. Oh, amazing. <laughs> That's what I get. Like at the same time as like we were listening to what we would consider now to be cool bands. We were yeah. still going to Wednesday night might, might be the rock club, but yeah. we might just decide on a Saturday to go to like a really bad commercial dance club. Right. So that was exactly me and my you know, friends let's, as well. Let's be honest as well. Like that's, that's 
where you had a chance to um, sexually explore more so would, than you did uh, when we were going out. Section at that direction section um, was was it st- yes, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Zoe Ball once made a public. This is a terrible story to me telling. Zoe Ball once made a public appearance at said shit big dance club in Belfast, and I was 16. And I went along, and I was a trainee reporter, and I had a little chat with her. But I admitted to her in that chat, I was like, I have I had the biggest crush on you for all... We all did it that Forever. Point, I, I, was, I love Zoe Ball. And then I danced with her. And I think... Not in any... She had her boyfriend, but I was a kid. Yeah. Right? Now, I've since met Zoe Ball in doing the job I do. Yeah. We've talked about it, and she remembers it. Really? She remembers that it was like a weird, cutie thing. She remembered, oh, there was this boy. I remember that boy. He was, yeah. you know, like... like Bless him, how embarrassing, yeah. like a genuinely embarrassing though. But I think, I can't remember, I think we slow danced. To what song? Was it a slow dance track? Uh, we had uh, a tiny I'm not club. sure. No, it might not have been. It might have been a normal track. I, don't, I think I am turning the reality into what I wanted it to be. Right, okay. Which is that we slow dance, she'd fall in love with me. Yeah. She'd leave all her boyfriends, never Obviously. meet Fat Boy Slim and live forever with yeah. me. And that option's still on the table, though. <laughs> It really is. I can vividly remember, like, because we was going to all the rock clubs, we was coming up to London and we was going, we was going to all these like, kind of exciting new indie nights. But Thursday nights, there was a club in where I lived in Essex called Pizzazz. I mean, that's yeah. a great name for a club, right? And that was just commercial dance tat. And like, it was dreadful. But they had an erection section. Oh, and yes. it was like, about half one, shut up to about half one. It'd start with Alita Adams' Get Here. Oh, you can reach me by railway. <laughs> a bit of that. You can reach me. No, no, it's the next line. Million Love Songs, take that. Oh. And then see if you remember this one. If Only for Tonight by Dina Carroll. If Only for Tonight, <laughs> don't be a stranger. I'll, th- right. I'll give you one. I'll I give you one track. I have erections right? to that on a dance floor. <laughs> I, I don't think the M Club had an erection section. But they did for a while, and then they got rid of it. I think they had it when it was called the Manhattan, but not when it was called the M Club. But I definitely went to clubs that had a section. Dance clubs would still throw the odd couple yeah. of tracks in. I'll give you one Go that you it. must listen to because it's amazing. And I all I only rediscovered it two, three months ago and already forget who it's by. Yeah. I'm not your superwoman, right? I'm not the kind of girl that you can let down and think that everything's okay. It's actually a brilliant Who's track. Who's it by? It's Vanessa somebody or something. Yeah. It's not obvious. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not even Vanessa somebody. It's not an obvious name, but it's a tune that's been yeah. forgotten about. Stevie B. Do you remember Postman song? I got your letters from the postman just the other day. God, how do you right? remember that? Because I have this ridiculous ability to m- remember songs when you heard yeah. twice. So we had a thing on. So when you were first falling in love, when you were 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, there was Cool Goes Quiet we had, and every radio station had it. Every local radio station had an hour at 11 o'clock usually, yeah. where they'd just play love songs or two hours, and they'd read out letters yeah. that you'd send in. Ours was called Cool Goes Quiet, and we all listened to it. And when we all met someone before we knew what sex was and fell in love, we'd all try and get a request on this. <laughs> so I, I can go through them all, like Ario Speedwagon, yeah. uh, Chicago, like... Uh, uh, just so many. Uh, Crazy for You by Madonna was yeah. always in the erection section. Um, but all my favourites are the power ballads. Yeah. I love that. Should have seen by the look in your <laughs> eyes. Wonderful Tonight, Eric yeah. Clapton. That yeah. was big. That was also an erection section tune. People right. forget that. And don't no one take offence at the phrase erection section. It literally <laughs> was what it was called at the it time. Was. 
Like was. no, like teachers called it that. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even seen as that's what I talk about a different yeah. era. Yeah. Oh yes. Did they play? It? Did you enjoy the disco sun? Yes. Did they have an erection section? <laughs> like what? <laughs> It's what it was called. <laughs> but we've, we've spoken about this. Like, oh. like, the, when Pip's been on, we, we spoke about the, the, this kind of thing. Yeah. And the thought that you would... In a nightclub, it seems so strange now and absolutely alien, the thought that you would go up to yeah. a girl and say, would you like to dance? I know. Like, and I implore anybody now who's listening to this with a partner, if you're at home and you're listening at home, or stop... And put your arms around yeah. and start dancing and yeah. pick the song in your heads and sing it and just feel it because it's, it is a yeah. lost art. It's a beautiful thing. And yeah. it only really happens at weddings. Yeah. And it doesn't happen at weddings yeah. anymore as well. Like the bloody bride and groom have like choreographed some bollocks yeah. so they can get YouTube hits. Yeah. Like just dance to the song. You know, yeah. it's beautiful and it's still a beautiful thing to do. All right, well, look, we're going to minus the reaction. We're going to edit the next five minutes out because Colin and I are going to sling on some boys to men and, and, have, a, and have a little <laughs> oh, slide. Can I tell you one thing about boys to men, right? <laughs> I wonder, can I tell you? Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side the actual version, right? Because the thing about Boys the Men, and we did it in Blood on the Tracks, it's creepy when the guy does his girl, I know you were cheating on me, but I'll stay with you anyway. You can sleep with anyone you want, as long as you... Like, it's not those words, but it's very close. Right. And when you actually listen to it, it's quite a creepy song. Boys the Men have a version of that song without the speaky bit in it. What song is this? End of the Road? Yeah. And it's on... Um, is this the one that doesn't have it? It's different. So they go, it's got, I'll just check this the right version. Yeah, there's no creepy bit in right with it here. They just don't have it. And it's, I think it's on 20, which is their, it's a legacy, right. the greatest hits. And there's a version of it where they've cut out the creepy talking bit, and it's amazing. Right. You didn't think you were going to get that <laughs> little <laughs> fucking nugget, did you? <laughs> Track yeah. six. Yes. A favourite song from an artist from your hometown. Right. Make a cup of tea, everybody. <laughs> right. It's really difficult. Now, the, the, you, when you sent me this, you said home country. Okay. Right. So, it's difficult because we're intensely proud. Of, of course. The, and especially if you can make it during the Troubles, which is when I grew up, even more pride. In the same way that we love the bands. I mentioned this to you before. I love, we love the bands that would come and play. Because many didn't. Yeah. Um, so... First, Van Morrison. Um, it's weird when you hear an album. So, like, everyone picks Astral Weeks. I love Moondance as a record. Um, Over Astral Weeks? I don't, I don't think I'd choose between them. I would just say that I, I love Moondance and probably listen to Moondance more. I think that's just probably more to do with when I listen to it, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I nearly went with Crazy Love. 
I can feel your heartbeat. What a tune. Um, definitely the greatest artist ever to come from Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, Ireland, ever. For me, mm-hmm. above everybody. Yeah. But Rory Gallagher, above everybody, is, is Van Morrison. And he's one of the greatest musicians ever to walk the planet. And he grew up not just in my own country, but in my part of town, in East Belfast. So that's got to be up on the list. But like the success of Ash in 1977, uh, that was amazing. And that was my era. So we loved them. This band who, you know, yep. came out of nowhere with Girl from Mars and Kung Fu. And, yep. uh, amazing band. I love them. I love them dearly this day. Um, and funny enough, the track of Maxi Picken, I've sang on stage with him um, at, uh, when they played Fighting Talks Big Day Out in Stoke. We always had a band and a comedian and they came and played for me and I sang it on stage with them, which is amazing. Um, I could also want to mention some little random things that nobody would pick from Northern Ireland. Like I looked, under band, I looked after a band called File Under Easy Listening um, when I was uh, 18 and I just fucking loved them. They were, br- they were like the darkness before the darkness. Right. But they guitarist... They went out and played some dates with Snow Patrol before Snow Patrol were big. And the guitarist st- struck up a relationship with them and joined Snow Patrol. And eight months later, they became massive. Nathan, he's a really lovely boy. Um, I want to mention Asterix. There's no one will know this, but Asterix and Laura Loves. What a tune that is. Um, and I've got to mention loads of Divine Comedy. Oh. So Liberation, Promenade, before they actually... It was weird because they were huge in France. And then once we started liking them here, something for the weekend... No one bought the record yeah. in France. But Neil Annan's a brilliant, brilliant Short songwriter. Short album about love. Is oh, my of, God. Is what gr- a record. Mate. Like if no you were one... a horse, oh, I'd clean the crap out of your stable and never sake. once complain. I love that record. And funny enough, I could easily go with that. I'd have to be so close. But if on that record, oh. if, you, if I were you, you'd be... If, I, if you, I were you, I'd be through with me. Everybody knows I love you. What a record that, that is. That album never gets mentioned. Yeah. And it's, it's by a mile my favourite Divine Comedy yeah. stuff, apart from certainly a chance. Do you know what? I, really I haven't listened to Short Album About Love in about three oh, years. I need I've to got the listen CDs to it. in the box. Every song's like, yeah. Like, oh. Has he got water in his face on it? Yep. It's sort of yeah, like, almost like, like, yeah, like a glass weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. rain on yeah. that. And, like, and he is an amazing person. Neil Annan's an amazing person, a properly, genuinely quirky, yeah. interesting, creative person. At a time when there was a lot of bands wanted to sound like you two and were quite aggressive or punky, as you'd yeah. imagine, in Northern Ireland, or dance music, which we had a lot of that, which was great yeah. as well. But he, he was, never lost the sense of what he He'd was. He'd done never. his thing, right? But Tonight We Fly would be the one track. Yeah, oh, what a beautiful That came close. Yeah. So this was the worst question you could ask me because I feel Judy Bound did not leave out so many bands. Yeah. Snow Patrol were phenomenal when people weren't buying their records. That's not to say in like some stuff after yep. they did. And in particular, the Breakthrough Echo was brilliant. But their first two albums did very little. And the first time I saw them play live was... Is this when they were signed to Jeepster, uh, Jeepster was it? Yeah. Yep. So the first album song for Polar Birds, which is a genius record to this day. Produced in Lemmy's basement. I mean, it's terrible production, but it's you got to hear it. It's a yep. great record. And they were so angry. They were the angriest band ever. The first time I saw Snow Patrol, my mate Maeve Quigley, who without a doubt was the first person ever to love Snow Patrol in the world, she said, come and see him at the Empire. They came on stage. They had loads of technical problems. Played three songs. Gary Lightbody said, fuck Belfast and smashed the guitar. Good times, right? <laughs> and I was like, that is the worst band I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, and she went, you have to go and see them again. You have to get... And actually, they were the perfect type of band because they yeah. weren't on stage just going through the motions and they were frustrated. And inside him, there was this songwriter. Yeah. And then, you look back at it now, and if you had said, yeah, you know what? Like, 
how long it would it be? So you'd say 15 years from now, you're going to write the biggest selling track in the yeah. world. I wouldn't have doubted that from those records when you listen to the actual songwriting and the words yeah. that you would write in Velocity Girl, uh, Get Balsamic Vinegar Quick You Fool, what a tune that is. Yeah. I don't want to hurt her feelings, but she's a crazy fucked up bitch! <laughs> what a lyric! Um, I loved them so much and I loved it. I, I, so yeah, it was really big. So there's so, yeah. many, there's so many Snow Patrol tracks that I could pick. Starfighter Pilot, I could pick Run. Because I was never so proud than when that track was successful. Yeah. I've never been more proud of, a, of anything. And listen, when you put on a band's gigs or you play the records on the radio, they're not your fucking band. Yeah. The reason why they're successful is because their music's good. Yeah. I hate hearing DJs say, yeah, I was there at the beginning, I put the gigs on. Not true. As a fact, I put on some of their gigs and I championed them as much as I could. But if they'd have been shit, they never sold a record. It's all... It's all the band's doing, yeah. nobody else's. But I was never so proud. And they've been there at the worst moments when I would be losing 300 quid and puking up over a stereo speaker that Jerry Bannon owned. And he's like, call, you've puked over my speaker. And 60 people had turned up to see them and I'd lost another couple of quid. Yeah. And it didn't matter because I was in that era where I had no business sense. I was running the music magazine. I was way too passionate about everything. But, like the guy who I ran the music magazine with, Paul McNamee, he's now the editor of Big Issue. And I remember when we tried to sell the first issue of our magazine, I think it was the first one, the second one, outside gigs. And we had a, a fight in the street about Bob Dylan and Tom Waits, because he was a big Bob Dylan fan, I was a Tom Waits fan. And I think the, the albums, the, the, the magazines went all over the fucking street. We had, you know, like, it was just passion beyond for no, yeah. Yeah, we were just passionate about it. And I was so passionate about that band. Um, to see them make it was huge and they chose a very mainstream path after that and that is their doing yeah. like I still I think they could have been the Foo Fighters yeah I think they went a little bit more towards Coldplay yeah but that's their decision and, and, and they he's happy doing that, that right? and he means every word yeah so I, I love him and I love them uh, but that moment of Ron was brilliant but I cannot choose I cannot choose any other track than the undertones and teenage kicks. Yeah. And it's not to be cool, and it's not to be like, oh, it was John Peel's favorite single. Um, wasn't his favorite track, by the way, it was his favorite single, but it's not that. It's so many reasons of that track has made me proud. The first, like, I loved, I've always loved it. It was always the last song I play when I started DJing at the Limelight in Belfast. You finish with undertones, teenage kicks. You are in Northern Ireland, you will fucking finish with that song. You can play whatever you want before. You can play System of a Down and Prodigy and Stone Roses. You will finish with the Undertones Teenage Kicks. And when I joined Radio 1 and went DJing at Dundee Uni and the QMU and all those places, I was Lavenick Knight randomly in Edinburgh, Southampton Uni, all these, Southampton Institute, should I say, all these places I have really good memories from. I never didn't finish a DJ set. Yeah. But Teenage Kicks are the second last song. I went through a period of finishing on um, all these things that I've done by the Killers. Yeah. It's a great drunk last song. Anyway, but usually it would be the Undertones Teenage Kicks. Yeah. Um, when John, uh, John, I was meant to bring it to show you because I have a picture of it in my house. When John Peel died, which was a horrendous day, and unfortunately I was on air at the time, but maybe fortunately because Joe Wiley wasn't, and that would have been for her to have to announce that on air, and that relationship she had with him would have just been awful, or if Steve Lamack had been on air. So maybe Edith and I were the best two people to be in there. Um, that night, overnight, on the bridge between two warring factions in Northern Ireland, two, two areas that were, Polk may as well have been six million miles apart, over that bridge, coming out of Belfast, in East Belfast, where I grew up, somebody did a massive mural overnight, the night John Peel died, teenage years so hard to beat. T sorry, teenage, teenage dreams, dreams yeah. so hard to beat. And 
his dates yeah. and RIP John Payne. And to me, it was the most beautiful thing. Yeah. The best tribute paid. It made all yeah. the national papers, actually. But to me, it was just that next morning, it was like waking up and seeing a rainbow. Everyone yeah. was like, fuck me. Like, that connection to that song and yeah. him. And, and the fact somebody went out in between Short Strand and the Newton Arge Road and put that on the wall. And yeah. overnight, spent all night doing it. Several years later, the council painted over it. And it's the single stupidest fucking thing I've ever known. Yeah. And had the audacity to come out and say, well, it can be recreated somewhere else. One of the most mindless things I've ever known to happen, the council to paint over. How it ever happened, how anyone ever sat in a room and said, paint over that. For what that signified, yeah. for where it was, for why it was there, and for how important that song was, for bringing people together Music did that, dance music did that. When we went to the clubs, it was no longer about where you were from. Although at times it could become that. I'm not gonna paint an idealistic picture. Yeah. And uh, listen, paramilitaries were funded by the drug scene mm -hmm. of dance music. But it, that song, to me, is when I DJed, nobody cared what religion you were. When I was going to the rock club on a Wednesday night in the attic in Lavery's, which by the way, for younger people listening to Northern Ireland, didn't have fucking pool tables. Um, that was, that's a track. It was like, it means so much. I'm so proud of it. And it is a perfect guitar pop song. And going back to intros. Have I talked too much here? I just No, mate. Mad not at all. Not at all. Um, teenage Dream, So Hard To Be. I mean, that's a really simple lyric, but someone's got to write it. And it's fucking amazing, right? Yeah, it's not as good as it, is it? He always beat me at Sabudio. He flicked a kick and I didn't know. <laughs> yes. And my perfect cousin. All of my perfect cousins yeah. are amazing lyrics, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. What is it? He thinks that I'm a cabbage because I'm, I, I I'm no, no good at university. I'm not yeah. good at university challenge or whatever. Like some yeah. of the most amazing lyrics in that. But yeah, that, that song is stunning. Mm. I've never, ever not played it. And You know there, those tracks that you say you can play at any type of club? Yeah. That's probably one of those. It's a get out of trouble tune, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you know. I used to have a CD with tracks on it that that wasn't on it. Oh, really? When you used to DJ... As a Radio 1 DJ, you get booked for places. And I used to like going into any club that they could play what I was going to play, which was quite full on. I would describe what I played because I was in that, I was that person. I was a hyperactive 20-something and I wanted every tune to fucking pop. It didn't matter whether it's dance music or rock music. I would, I, would, I would happily play just about anything, but I would never play anything that placid. Mm -hmm. And I, you could go into a club that played mainstream pop and it would work because all the tracks have pop sensibility. Underworld works in there. Yeah. And like, you know, you know what I mean? Nirvana will work in there. Yeah. System of Down will work in there and Undertones will work in there. I could go into a dance music club at work, I could go into a pop music club, but it wouldn't work in an R&B club. Yeah. And if you walked in and the DJ was doing R&B, you knew we were a bit fucked. Yeah. So I always had a CD that had Hey Ya by Outkast on, yeah. Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Yeah. And I, I stupidly would, uh, like, I would literally just have, it was two CDs, an hour of music in each, and they yeah. would just go in and just yeah. go between the two tracks. And never, I've used them maybe like two or three times. Yeah. I remember once DJing at this club, and I can't remember what it was, but it was Southern England, which is not a surprise. Some of the more Southern clubs would tend to be less mm -hmm rowdy and less yeah. crazy and I much more suited hanging off the lights at Dundee Uni than being at a cool yeah. club in the, on the south coast or whatever although Bournemouth was crazy um, anyway I, m I remember being in this club and the, the guy who drove me to the DJ dates the DJ uh, booth was almost in the centre of the dance floor and he just tapped me on the shoulder and he went look behind you and I looked behind me and there was 500 people leaning against the walls <laughs> He was like, get your CDs out. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Well, baby, don't mess around. I used to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get there. Oh, but yeah, Teenage Kicks is a track that, like, 
play last in the DJ set, play all over Britain. And I don't know, it just felt like, it's always felt like our tune, we owned it, rather than the undertones. They've always given it to us. If. And Terry Hooley, I know, and oh, really? I knew, and let me tell you, I did a night, we talked about the club where I lost money, thrown over the PA, that night, Terry Hooley opened for Snow Patrol and a band called Desert Hearts before, and he opened by reading uh, spoken word poetry in that club that night, Stereotype, and it was Terry Hooley opened that up, and his favourite, he used to take his eye out, put it, he had only one eye, put it in a pint glass, drink the pint, put the eye back in, what a guy. But he used, of course, give the track away, didn't he? And that track, I think, because nobody made millions out of it, like, the, like Terry Hooley did make millions out of it with good vibrations, um, I, I feel like we own the track as much as the band yeah. do. Funny enough, the guy that wrote for my magazine, Colin Carberry, the best writer in the magazine by a mile, and Paul McNamee will admit that, I'll admit that, easily our best writer. Brilliant, brilliant writer. Went and worked for the council, a la Deacon Blue, has been working for the council, has been many years. Um, and uh, he then decided with his mate, who was an author, he'd co-write Good Vibrations, the movie. Oh, really? And that's him. And he, so he's, he's a bastard because he wrote one fucking film and got a BAFTA nomination straight away. That sums up Colin. Yeah. Like, he's a genius. Yeah. And, but he Great has film. Life, he's got life and perspective, unlike mm. most of us. And he's got his family life and job. And he still writes now and he still gets involved now and it's yeah. just went to stage. But that, so that track also has a pull to me yeah. that way because we, we were always like, Colin, what are you doing? Yeah. You need to write. You could be, like, genuinely could be one of the biggest writers on the planet. But he chooses to do a little bit of this and a little bit of this. Yeah. I love the guy and he wrote good vibrations. So Amazing. Wrote it, yeah. All right. Well, for your last song. Yes. Um, it's your opportunity to um, play a song to people that they may not necessarily yeah. be over familiar with. And it's your chance to kind of be a bit of a, an educator and a show yeah. off and go, right, listen to this. Right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to take that being educator and a show off and I'm, I'm going to put it in the bin. And okay. I'm going to embarrass myself a bit more. So I... I am not somebody who wants to know what's going on in music so I look credible and have knowledge of it. I recently said on a Blood in the Tracks You know that with Bardo, I, mate, don't worry. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Credibility stock up. So I, like, I'm Blood in the Tracks recently, someone picked the track and I went, I've never heard this band. And I got like three or four tweets from people going, you've never heard that band? And I'm like, no, I haven't. I might have, but I don't remember. I don't care what label something's on. I don't give a shit who produced it and if you tell me and it's interesting that's fine and sometimes people say oh do you know such and such yeah. and I'm fine with that I just care about loving the track yeah. but I'm not good at knowing like I cannot tell my Taylor Swift from a whatever right? I'm not very good at like when was that released who's the biggest artist now in the, in the certainly when it comes to modern pop music yeah. but I love pop music I always have I have a Kylie Minogue bomber jacket from when I was a kid. Like, I bought a Kylie Minogue bomber jacket. It was probably not that much different than the time when I was yeah. listening to rape music and thinking I was in the Manchester. And yeah. I still fucking just had a Kylie Minogue bomber jacket. Yeah. Crazy mix of stuff. And, like, I've always loved a pure bit of pop music. Absolutely And Vision, I've already talked about. Um, Katy Perry, funny enough, Pat Cash is a big Katy Perry fan, despite being into rock okay. and music. I talked to him about it. He was like, I don't know what it is. Every time I hear one of her singles, I just fucking love it. And I'm like, it's the same. I don't have yeah. to justify it. I just love it. But I don't know whether when it's big or not. And um, I was driving home uh, from working in Manchester, and sh I don't even know how to say it. I'll see ya. Chandelier. Yeah. Is that what she's chandelier or whatever the hell she? I call it chandelier. Chandelier. It's no, no, it's not. It's not that word. It's it's a it's a word that means what the song's about. No, it's the walk of shame scream. at the end of a night, and you're, it's no, it's not. It's and lucky thanks to the urban dictionary we can find out now because I called it chandelier right I thought she wanted to swing from the 
No, no, chandelier is means something else in modern vernacular. I did not know any of this. I think it does. Let me have a look. I might see ya. Do you know what? I might be fucking wrong. I Hold thought on. she sang, I want to, I'm going to swing from, from the, the chandelier. chandelier. She doesn't say chandelier. That's I, how you pronounce it. Right. Let me tell you now. Urban Dictionary. Let's do it. Here we go. Right. It, it can mean... I think I've got this wrong. Right. It can mean somebody that looks good, especially a guy, but can pretend a girl who's really good looking but doesn't have anything else going for them. There's an emptiness, which right. is what the song's about. Ah, right. Because it's about her drinking, isn't right. it? But I think someone sold me a bad story about that. Okay. Yeah, it's about that all night drinking yeah. walk of shame. Yeah. Anyway, I, di- I diverge from my error. When this came on the radio, whether it be like great female pop music or just brilliant female vocals, I'm not a fan of something that goes all over the shop. The best vocals for me, if I look back, so like, who would I pick as like the best females ever? A lot of Roberta Flack. But when it was so stark and simple, but there'd be one line of the song where she'd break every window in your yeah. fucking house after melting your heart. Listener do Bridge Over Troubled Water. There's just 20 seconds of it where she goes, if you need... Obviously can't do it. And you go... Like, you literally lose all the breath yep. in your body. She had the power to, like, she had the, the, the power to separate seas yeah. when she wanted to for a little bit. And I'm listening to this, see, a track comes on in the start of it. Party girl, don't you? The chorus of that is fucking mind-blowing. Deserves to be talked about. It's, in the proper upper echelons of female vocals I've ever heard. And, and, again, it's not a cool thing to say. But it's, that's it's super the track cool, mate. that... Most people would think, see, is it? I, I view it as there's an artist who she had a lot going on and she wrote different types of records yeah. and she wore, she covered her face up. To get her, yeah. But ultimately, to me, that's a pop song. Like, yeah. people heard that as a pop song. Yeah. I, 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 I properly, so, I, so a song that may not know that you want them to hear. Yeah. This, I think this song wouldn't go into the credibility bracket. It wouldn't go into yeah. the uh, name. You wouldn't name check this. Yeah. But I think this female vocal of the chorus, the f- first two lines of the chorus are phenomenal. Yeah. But the third line of it is even better. It goes again. That, it, it goes, goes again. again. That's and then exactly Right on the last bit, a voice breaks just a yes, bit. and doesn't change it, doesn't auto-tune it, and it is... I just, it's, I think it's stunning. And it's, I may risk it sounding a little bit silly, but I love that. It's track one so of my much. favourite records the last 10 years. Yes, I put it right up there. And like you said, I didn't stumble across it because I go actively looking for pop music. I love mm. pop. You know, growing up in the 80s, you can't not be a fan yeah. of pop music. My daughters watch a dance programme. Yeah. And the little girl that's in the video is the star of it. And so. They used to watch this video all the time, and I used to come walking through the kitchen, and I could go, one, two, three, one, two, three, and I was thinking, and it got stuck in my head. Yeah. And then I thought, right, and they put it on the iPod, and I had it on in the car, and it come on when I was coming home from the club one night on my own, and I just cranked it, and I just thought, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and I'm one of them people, that if I like a record, I'm listening to it 50 times on repeat. Yeah. I want to know, does it pass that test of listening to it right. that amount of times? That Recent record does. one was Haim. Haim, I want you back. Yeah. Because it has that great lyric. Yeah. Um, I'll take the fault in the faultiness. I'll give yeah. you all the love you never gave before I met you. Yeah. Or left you before I left you. Yeah. And it's so clever. Yeah. Such a clever tune. 
And that's another one that recently yeah. has been like, because the funny thing, I think this was out 18 months before yeah. I heard it. Like you, I don't, because I'm yeah. not going to hear it on a chart yeah. show. I'm not going to hear it in a club. I'm not going to hear it get dropped anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to hear it by accident and look, be very uncool. And like, say to my, I remember saying to my mate, this fucking song's amazing. He's like, dude, it's been out for ages. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know for that, but... Because um, she was the singer in 07. Yes. Am I right? I was think you might be right. But yeah. again, it's not something that... Yeah. Uh, I remember them doing the rounds a, a fair few years ago. Yeah, was it never, 07? Uh, it was one of them kind of sort of fan. trip-hoppy kind of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think she might have done the but, vocal on... Yeah, she was. But she's... she she. Writes massive hits as well, doesn't she? Yeah. I think she writes for Katy Perry yeah. as well. If I'm if I'm right, well, I mean, she's, that's she's, the connection I didn't know. Yeah. You see, that's brilliant. Yeah, see, that's a good uh, connection. I there you go. That. There but that go. track, well, I always think, will I listen to track in ten years from now? Will I listen to track in twenty years? And on Blood and the Tracks recently, we did ask what track will people remember in twenty five years from now, and I picked that track. Yeah, because I do think it'll be one of those that people will still play then. Completely agree. Unlike. I'm not your superwoman. It's been sadly forgotten, but if this podcast does anything, yeah. it will bring back that track, <laughs> Superwoman, by watching McCuller. Right. <laughs> um, so, what are you up to now? Um, I, uh, I've got to finish a column mm-hmm. for Metro. I do a, a sports column every Friday, and it's Thursday. But it kept me up to three o'clock last night. Because I like writing about boxing and lower league football and random stories but once in a while you have to do the bigger story and there's no other story than Mourinho and I've had an interesting take on it in my head but they're the ones I fret about most so I'm going to go yeah. and sit and fret some more but, you're, you're, but like it's 650 words and I think I've put 8 hours in so your like buddy fighting soon as well isn't he? well Frampton's fighting at the weekend Yeah, which is a great fight but I this is a rare example of me choose, having to choose something else over the boxing which I've done um and then we have the EFL on Quest Christmas party. Okay. Which is threefold. 12.30, Christmas lunch. 3.30 to 5.30 on my insistence. Me and the kind of core people I work with, there's 13 of us. Karaoke at Lucky Voice. Nice. That's, I just, that's what I want. What's your karaoke no, go-to, Colin? I don't have one. I'm more about, like, the first five songs of karaoke should always be past the mic. Nobody should be made to stand up and sing it and put the obvious ones on. I suppose that's life by Frank Sinatra I can get away with right but I'm okay with choose there's a wee trick the karaoke which is you can choose Aerosmith don't want to miss a thing <laughs> just when it gets to the bit that you can't sing just go everybody yeah and hold the mic out yeah forget that you didn't sing it yeah and they go fuck you pulled off Aerosmith yeah. just because you do the bit yeah. I can lie away yeah. just eat you breathing that'll do you just have to get <laughs> slide dog that's amazing right? it's in a brilliant tactic yeah. but I actually love just standing at the machine and someone come up and going I'm like what do you want to sing and they're not they don't work they, they don't De- they've never DJed, never. It's about getting the tracks in order, and that's yeah. why I, I love just sitting and watching the joy of people who think they don't like karaoke. Love yeah. it. It's yeah. not about being in a big. It's a small room. It's not about being in a massive bar and going up yeah. and auditioning for X Factor. That's the worst type of karaoke. Yeah. So I'm hoping I want to do. I've, I'll probably do Fairy Tale in New York today because nice. of the Christmas thing. What a fucking song that is. Um, and then there's the third part of it is everybody's getting together at six. The people who go to karaoke with me will not be able to walk in there, I guarantee yep. it. I already have ordered a bottle of Jaeger bomb and a bottle of gin for when we arrive. Oh dear. A bottle of Jaeger with a thing. So, yeah, it's, so it's my one and only Christmas party today after that. So we'll have, to that. have a smashing time. You and too. podcast, what's going on? Right. So, well, Blood on the Tracks is, it's in its first proper series. 
and it's on. Last time I talked to you, I was trying to get it going. That's right. So it's it's had its first property stage, recorded all ten. Really happy how it went. I think they're going to make more for sure. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to go to BBC Sounds or go to wherever it's on iTunes and all that and have have a listen to it, I it is. I don't really work in many things that aren't passion projects anyway, even if it's like being in Radio 1 or, or being in 5 Live. But this is really like, this is really, I really want this to work because as you, as you know, we could count on, on one hand this type of conversational music podcast that we're doing. So, and I've worked out a way of where you can play 29 seconds of the track and then continue. And the way we record it is so different. Yeah. They don't hear the tracks. They The tracks, they do hear them, but they're not recorded. Yeah. And then it's all edited later to make sure that you feel like you're hearing a conversation of people. Yeah. And I don't back the tracks or anything. They just, a bit like you, it's just like, let them let them tell their stories. Yeah. And there's one in the new episode now, who's getting back to Pink Floyd. Ali Sadiq, who's an Atlanta comedian, he learned how to be funny in jail when he was jailed for quite a long time for drug trafficking. And someone packed cash picked Pink Floyd, the wall. And he goes, man, I can't do his accent. He's like, I learned Pink Floyd from jail. There was a guy called Wayne who was a black Italian who knew every word of every track from the wall. And when the lights went out, he would sing this. And in the beginning, it was 400 black people going, shut up. And a year later, it was 400 black people going, Wayne, hit it. And he would go, hello, is there anybody out there? Wow. In there. Weird. People get that alert wrong all the time. I've just done it. It's in there. Yeah. Just being an idiot, but it is. Anyway, and the whole, he said, he said there's, a, there's an Italian-American, there's a black Italian-American, he says in the recent episode, that, that made 400 people love the wall and know every word. Amazing. Yeah. That, so that's what the podcast is definitely about. Yeah. It's about putting four people in a room that you kind of know them, but you go, why are you in a room together? You wouldn't have been before. Yeah. And it's them just connecting through just loving tunes. Yeah. And anybody gets chin stroke, yeah, I'm like, move, move yeah. on. But yeah. if anyone goes, oh, I went to see uh, Tom Jones in Vegas and ended up doing the uh, Congo with Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker, which is a genuine story for these episodes. It's like, I, I just love it. I just, yeah. It's a pleasure. To, it's, I just sit back. So this is rare for me. Thank you for giving me the chance for not being the frustrated presenter of these shows because <laughs> I tell stories but they all get edited out because yeah. they have to be because we yeah. always record too long so I'm always like take me out take me out take me out because yeah. I want to hear their stories yeah. so it's brilliant to actually tell my own fantastic thank you very much for Thanks, coming mate. down and doing that mate Merry Christmas and to you too mate thank you there you go another podcast done dusted finished finito kaput end of Colin's great right enthusiasm he has is is amazing he's such a laugh his music knowledge is amazing um yeah i think he's one of my favorite people to talk music to um please go and check out colin's uh, podcasts because they're amazing and thanks for supporting this um if you like me talking to broadcasters presenters and stuff like that then please have a look in the back catalogue because I've chatted to a lot and there's lots of other good stuff to get your teeth stuck into. Um, if you want to know more about what else is happening in the world of podcasting, go and check out Pod Bible magazine, www.podbiblemag.com. Go and have a look at that. Also, I have a Patreon page for this podcast, so if you want extra episodes every week, that's over there. 
there's merch and stuff like that. Um, I'll tell you what, the best thing to do is a one-stop shop. So it's got links to everything you might need to know about this podcast. Just go to, you ready? www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Simples. Have a smashing week. I'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 